CNN President Jeff Zucker resigned promptly. You think you know the reason, and what is the real reason? U.S. Army will discharge service people who have not got vaccinated. FBI Director Christopher Wray warned CCP intensifies online attack to the U.S. And the House of Representatives is passing a bill that pulled the teeth out of the Competition Act that is targeting the CCP's attack. What is happening here? Welcome to We and Kathy Show. I'm your host Wei Fang, and I'm Kathy Zhang. Well, dominating the um, the headline of the media today is the resignation of uh, Jeff Zucker. And uh, so, any of you think you read those articles? If you do, probably you don't, because this is he's the president of the CNN cable uh, news network. And uh, if you read the news, you think, well, it's because of uh, the following, all right? So he he resigned because of he did not disclose a consensual relationship with his chief marketing officer, and her name is Alison uh, Galast. And um, so. When CNN was investigating Chris Coomer's scandals last year, which is 2021, mm-hmm. okay, in the memo, the former, now former CNN president Jeff Zucker said, as part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN, I was asked about consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I have worked with far more than 20 years. I acknowledged the relationship involved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when it began. When it began, but I did not. I was wrong. As a result, I'm resigning today. All right. So first, uh, who is uh, Galast? And uh, actually, the, she's the vice president, senior vice president, and also the chief uh, marketing officer. She got her start as a news anchor and a reporter and a producer in Denver before moving to New York City and joined NBC at that time. And uh, he joined the corporate communication office in 1996. And uh, while Jeff Zucker was the executive producer of the NBC show called Today, Galast was promoted as the show's lead publicist. Pub, well, yeah, publicist. As Zucker was promoted to the NBC Entertainment President, Galast continued to climb the corporate ladder in the network in NBC's public relations department. Then she rose to become NBC Universal's uh, executive vice president. Of corporate communication, and uh, but left around the t- same time that Jeff Zucker moved to the to head the CNN when Comcast purchased the network. And then Galast briefly left the TV world behind uh, um, around the 2012 for a stint for former governor of New York Andrew Cuomo's communications director. And four months later, Jeff Zucker tapped Galast to become CNN's senior VP of communication. And then one month later, and uh, she become um, four months later. Okay, she was promoted to the chief marketing officers, and later become an executive VP at the network. All right. So Breitbart said the source is not authorized to speak publicly. Said Kumos, Chris Kumo, remember that he was ousted, right? Right. His legal team, which continued to negotiate Kumo's exit from the network, raised issue about the relationship about uh, between Zucker and uh, Galast. The Puck News reporter Matt uh, Poloni 
and reported that CNN recently also received a letter from Cuomo's lawyer demanding the preservation of communications between Zucker, Galast, and Cuomo. So basically, people saying that um, it's uh, Chris Cuomo is, uh, is pulling the string and, uh, and uh, launch an attack. And the Galas and Zucker's op relationship by the CNN insiders was is open secret. All right. So now you probably got we already got the depth of it. All right. So they got a relationship among them. Uh, Zucker did not disclose it, and then Chris Cuomo was ousted, and he was unhappy. So they come back and uh, reveal something, expose something, which forced Jeff Zucker to resign. So that's the reason. Well, this is if you read every report of the news, mainstream media or in Trump's word, lamestream media, that's the conclusion you got. Do you believe it? Can, it, can we run, run a test here? Okay, while you are watching, can you just type it there? Do you believe that's the case? Um, this is the reason that uh, Jeff Zucker resigned, because he, he did not disclose his consensual relationship with uh, the executive VP, vice president. Okay, let me give you some background here. Galast filed for the lady, okay. Um, Alison Galast filed for divorce with her former husband in 2015. And the case was settled in 2017. And uh, Karen Zucker, the former wife of uh, Jeff Zucker, filed for divorce in 2018. And then their divorce subsequently happened, okay, it was finalized. So basically, three years ago, uh, at this time, four years ago, both Jeff Zucker and uh, Allison, Allison Galast, they, be, they, they, they were singles. They become single. So what's the big deal be, between the boyfriend and girlfriend that forced this person, this powerful CNN global president, to quit his position and the shock, send a shockwave across the field of media? So I don't know. What do you think? <clears throat> How about this? Let me try to play something for you. And uh, let me see whether I can pull this off because uh, I just wanted. There was a, there's a, there's a HBO series called the New Newsroom. Okay, describing a all the episode was the, the happening, the story inside the newsroom. At that time, the how to say the network was described in that uh, drama series is called uh, a. Uh, let me see, AC ACN. Atlanta Cable uh, Network. And, uh, you know, CNN, where, where, is CNN, where is CNN based? Atlanta. So basically, it was prototyping after the CNN. ACN equals to CNN. And in the uh, season one, in the, how to say, in the third episode, there's one scene that uh, the owner, the owner, Leona, of the ACN was trying to fire someone that his top anchor. And uh, let's see whether we can um, hear from how that, how that decision was made. Mm, it's not, the voice is not coming through. Most watched anchor on cable. By creating what we call context, his firing would be viewed as a noble step on the part of a corporation willing to sacrifice ratings for integrity. You'd manufacture a reason to do it? I've got a really good job, Charlie. Now you want to play golf or you want to fuck around? Okay. It's, uh, I need to provide some context to this uh, little um, 
okay, recording a voice clip. So basically, they, they were trying to fire the McAvoy, who is the not McAvoy, the 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 the, the leading anchor, who is the number three in the cable news world, and uh, she doesn't like him. So. So the director of the um, TV division was asking, how could you do that? He said, I'm going to create a context. And indeed, she did. Later on, she created a context where it's very natural or least damaging to fire this anchor. So in the real world, is that, is that also what happened? Anyway, let me just read to you um, President Trump, former President Trump's uh, statement today following this episode. This is what he said. Um, he said... Um, Jeff Zucker, a world-class sleazebag who has had the rating and uh, real news challenged CNN for far too so too, for far too long, has been terminated for numerous reasons, but predominantly because CNN has lost its way with viewers and everybody else. Well, okay, and um, so let's take a, let's do a little a little analysis to see whether that's the case. Let's just recall, okay, for those of you who have been around long enough, you remember that CNN was founded in 1980 by Ted Turner, right? It is the first one that revolutionized the around-the-clock news coverage on TV. And after it was founded, it was a lackluster you know, TV network. It was you know, innovative, but does not gain much viewers. But in the Gulf War in 1990 and in 1991 was a watershed event for CNN that... Uh, um, catapulted it, that the channel passed the big three, NBC, NB, uh, CBS, and, uh, and uh, ABC, uh, American Network, in viewership for the first time in the history. All right? Largely due to an unprecedented historical scoop, CNN was the first only news outlet with a, the ability to communicate from inside Iraq during the initial hours of the coalition's bombing campaign. All right. When then, when it come, then okay. So, so the it just uh, gathered one billion people viewing uh, during that uh, that that event, that invasion. And uh, in the on the September eleventh of the two thousand and one, and CNN was the first uh, news network that broke the, broke the news. However, in that reporting, actually Fox, who, who which was founded sixteen years after CNN, caught on and it became the most viewed uh, network, cable news network. So, but then, so the two network was the kind of competing, and the CNN was quite international, all right? So to American military service people around the world, and for American travel around the world, they view CNN as the, as the American network. The Larry King Show, okay, at that time was well known, and it was known all around the world. CNN was namely, okay, the, another name for America. However, after 2001, Fox pretty much took the number one position in viewership every single year for 20 years. All right, so Fox has been leading. The reason very simple because Fox was uh, <coughs> uh, was broadcasting uh, news that that uh, meets the need of the conservative viewers. However, when it comes to 2020, 2020 become a very big exception. That was the last year of the Trump administration, if you recall. There was the pandemic, there's a lot of breaking news, and uh, there's a lot of uh, clash, value clash, or the, and the presidential election, all right? So post the November 3rd, the, the, the presidential election date, Fox News viewership dropped big way, and the CNN and, uh, just uh, keep climbing up, and retook the number one position in the cable news. 
And uh, then in the beginning of the 2021, in the J January 6th, the, um, the Capitol Hill um, um, incident, and the CNN got 2.7 million people, viewers, that averaged in that week. That was the um, record-breaking time. So what happened to the Fox News? Viewers dropped, right? And it was the reason because they abandoned the network for, uh, for calling the election result. And uh, even before, before the election count was done, Arizona, remember that? So a lot of the viewers, they become dis disfranchised with the, uh, the Fox News. And the CNN took the spot. So, but one year from that week, from the January 6th week, CNN dropped 80% of its viewers. So one year later, in the first week in January of the 2021, CNN averaged only 550,000 viewers in that week. What does that mean? Fox got 1.4 million, and uh, MSNBC got 750,000. CNN only got 550,000. All right, in the key demo, um, 25-year-old to 54-year, and the Fox got 223,000 viewers, CNN is only 113,000. But it's still more than the MSNBC in the key demo, which only got 88,000. Okay, so look at the entire January of 2021. Uh, Fox averaged 1.4 million total viewers, and it actually accomplished a 4% increase compared to last year. So basically, as people abandoned the Fox News right after the 2020 election, people slowly came back. Okay, so after one year, Fox actually gained a 4% increase compared to last year. Well, MSNBC lost 60% compared to one year ago, which is January, January 2021. Well, CNN, they dropped 74%. Okay, 74% compared to their, one, their, their record high one year ago. Well, so, dis, and, dis, and, uh, so despite the, the year of 2021 as the most watched, uh, at, the, at the start, starting the year as the most watched cable news network, CNN finished 2021 with only one program in the top 25 of the cable news options at 9 o'clock Eastern time, uh, time slot. So, and that one show was hosted by Chris Cuomo, who was forced out due to its, um, the allegation against him of uh, sexual misconduct and his role in adv adv advising his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, when he faced uh, similar allegations. And other hosts like Don Lemon and uh, another primetime anchors also come under fire for his coverage of the Empire star Jesse Smollett this trial, if you remember that. So CN got himself into a lot of trouble. So in the last uh, Dece December, which is uh, one month ago, CN, actually two months ago, CN collapsed and uh, to the 17th, 17th place among all basic cable. And the worst yet, the channel's viewers in the key primetime demo was only good enough for the 31st place among cable stations. So, Kathy, you can see, it's really just, you cannot call it a big name anymore. It's just basically all, lost all the viewers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but so how does that to do with uh, Zucker's uh, resignation? Yeah, that's why I want to read the second part of the Trump's statement. And he said, now is a chance to put fake news in the backseat because there may not be anything more important. There's, there may not be anything more important than straightening, straightening out 
the horrendous lamestream media in this country, in our country, and in the case of CNN, throughout the world. So basically saying that he was fired because, he basically was fired because of the terrible performance of the network. Mm, okay. And now basically he's saying that uh, with a single uh, CMO who's single and Jack Zucker is also single, they have this open secret and did not dis disclose, disclose that and he was removed. Do you believe that? Which story do you believe? You believe that or you believe the possible reason that, um, you know, that way just uh, described here? I'd I, I just love to see your point of view. All right, so, Kathy, let, let's move on to this next piece of news. How about that? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, it has to do with this. It's just, um, you know, the Army Secretary Christine Warmoth issued a directory, directive today. And uh, basically he said... Uh, the army commanders has been told to begin involuntary administrative separation proceedings. Basically, it's got discharge against all regular army soldiers and active duty re um, reservists who have refused a vaccination and do not have approved exemption request or one still pending. All right. So. Um, the statement said, uh, the army readiness depends on soldiers who are prepared to train, deploy, fight, and win our nation's war. And un unvaccinated soldiers present a risk to the force and jeopardize its readiness. All right. And a service member discharged over the vaccine order will be elig ineligible to, for voluntary, involuntary separation pay and may be required to pay back any unearned incentive or special payment. Okay, so the, the Army statement also said on January 27th, the most recent day for, for which the data is available, 97% of active Army soldiers were at least partially vaccinated, which would make nearly 15,000 people eligible for discharge. All right. Actually, the Pentagon announced a vaccine mandate for the military in August, last August. But each service has set its own deadlines. Actually, Army is not the first. Army is the last. Last month, the Air Force discharged 27 people for refusing to get uh, uh, vaccinated, vaccination. And the Navy took steps to begin the, a, a separation process for unvaccinated sailors through, though a Texas judge earlier this month ruled in favor of Navy SEALs who, sought, who seek a religious exemption. All right. So in the Army, six regular Army leaders, including two battalion commanders, have been relieved. Well, general officers has issued 3,073 written reprimands over vaccine refusal. All right. So let's talk about the religious exemption a little bit. The Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 allowed workers to request an exception to a job requirement if it is conflicts with the, their sincerely held religious beliefs, practices, and observances. All right. So, but even with that kind of assumption, for the army, army, army service people who file for, who file for religious exemption, altogether 22,910 people raised that. You know how many, how many was approved? Yeah. Zero. Zero. 266 of the request application were denied, and 2,644 are still pending result. And for those people who are denied and also pending result, they will be discharged. Wow. Wow. Isn't that too harsh? What do you think? 
type of your, you know, your, your thought here. So, and... Uh, so let's move on to the next piece of news. Yeah, before that, I saw some comments about, okay. uh, yeah, because actually during the, yeah, yesterday, uh, I think, yeah, just uh, yesterday or the day before, that uh, a Pfizer is asking FCC to approve its uh, vaccine for the uh, children under five years old. Mm. Okay. So it's, yeah, they are pushing for that. I saw, like, uh, our audience here, Ting Ting, said, uh, you know, she's not going to do that uh, for her children. So, yeah, although, you know, like the vaccine mandate for the employees of uh, 100 and up is already canceled, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, still, you know, uh, the vaccination for the children is still um, pushing under the way. So, all right. So next, uh, we'll just uh, bring you the story related to U.S. and China. Uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray spoke about uh, countering threats posed by the Chinese Communist government inside the United States at the Ray, uh, Ronald Reagan Library uh, on January 31st. So because there, is a, there was a FBI exhibition going on uh, in the presidential library of uh, Ronald Reagan, so I think he was invited to speak. But uh, he focused solely on the uh, threat posed by the uh, Chinese government, especially here at home. Uh, so and, uh, he talked about why is that. He mentioned uh, this threat is to our economic security as well as to our freedom. Because in many ways it's reached a new level, more brazen, more damaging than ever before. And it's vital, vital that all of us focus on that threat together. So uh, Ray, uh, in the beginning, he emphasized, you know, the threat he mentioned is posed by the Chinese Communist government and the Commun uh, Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people and certainly not the Chinese Americans. And, and he pointed out that uh, those Chinese people are themselves frequently uh, victims of the uh, Chinese uh, government's uh, lawless aggression. So in, under this uh, background, he talked about the uh, brazening uh, aggression by the CCP. I think, uh, you know, he's from the Trump era. Mm -hmm. So it was the first administration of the United States really separate the Chinese Communist Party and the government uh, with the Chinese people, which, you know, we both win, I think it's a, it's a great move. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to just uh, start with a story, a case that uh, Christopher Ray mentioned is um, an a, a espionage case. The person involved is called uh, Xu Yanjun, and uh, he was uh, trying to steal corporate secret of a Cincinnati-based uh, uh, General Electricity Aviation. So this uh, Xu Yanjun, he's a Chinese uh, intelligence officer. And uh, last November, he was finally convicted of economic espionage in Cincinnati. So Xu was part of he. the... Uh, he? Uh, Xu. His mm. last name is Xu. Oh, she. Yeah, she. It's not she. <laughs> you confused me. <laughs> okay, so this person was part of the Chinese Ministry of State Secretary, uh, Security, okay, usually abbreviated as MSS. 
so which is one of the CCP's uh, spy services. His uh, official position was the deputy director of the 6th Bureau of the MSS in Jiangsu province. So Xu was in a unit responsible for stealing aviation-related secrets from the United States and Europe. He used another two fake names to carry out his uh, espionage work and uh, posed as a representative of the Jiangsu Province Association for Science and Technology. So Xu Yanjun was targeting an advanced engineer uh, engine, okay, an advanced engine made by GE and a foreign joint venture partner. So how he did it? He identified a 41-year-old Chinese descent engineer in GE who deeply involved in the design and analysis of such engine. So we call him A, right? Mm -hmm. So then uh, Xu Yuanjun used another co-op T, uh, we call B, who is an official in a prominent Chinese university. So B contacted uh, this uh, GE engineer A through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ray pointed out, you know, the CCP spy, they oftentimes use uh, social media, mm. especially like LinkedIn. To conduct, you know, to get their access to people. Looks like a very innocuous uh, approach. Mm -hmm. So um, they offered this uh, engineer a trip to China to give a presentation on his work at this uh, prestigious university in China, and uh, in return, compensating him for like thirty-five hundred uh, speaking fee plus covering all the travel cost. So. A, this engineer loaded five GE aviation documents on his personal laptop and flew over to China. So according to the FBI report, GE believed that one of those five documents may have been the technical data belonged to the United States export control on China, which is, you know, means it's a sensitive and a secret uh, documents. So, a, the engineer, did not tell GE that uh, he is bringing confidential company documents to China and uh, the purpose of his visit. All of his colleagues just know that he went there for a wedding. <laughs> so several months later, during FBI's investigation, A told BA, uh, FBI that uh, he encountered some technical problems at the beginning of his presentation in China. Mm. Then he was told that the projector was not working, so he had to allow them to put a USB drive into his personal laptop, which contains the five documents. Mm. Okay. So uh, while he was in China, he, you know, along with the B, they contact each other, right? And had a lunch with Xu, Xu Yanjun. So they connected that way. After this engineer came back to the United States, he kept in touch with uh, Xu Yanjun for several months. During, the process, during this time, uh, this period of time, Xu uh, suggested him to collect more technical information from GE. And on the other hand, Xu kept in touch with the MSS hackers in China to make sure that they could access the implant that he co uh, his co-op T uploaded. Remember, he, they said yeah. there's a problem, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. So. Um, luckily, A's trip actually took attention from uh, FBI, 
and uh, they contacted GE, and GE was quick to cooperate mm -hmm. with them. So they started uh, the investigation. In early 2018, uh, Xu agreed to meet A, Xu Yanjun, uh, the, the spy, agreed to meet A in Belgium. But actually, you know, he was met with FBI agent who presented him the indictment documents. So that's how he was caught. Mm -hmm. So Christopher Ray said uh, Xu's case is a great illustration of the Chinese Communist government's multi-pronged strategy for stealing valuable secrets from the United States. Yeah, may I insert something, Kathy? So what I, makes I, the Chinese government's strategy so insidious is the way it exploits multiple avenues at once, often in seemingly innocuous ways. They identify key technologies to target. Their Made in China 2025 plan, for example, lists 10 broad ones, the keys to economic success in the coming century, spanning industries like robotics, green energy production and vehicles, aerospace, biopharma, and so on. And then, and then, they throw every tool in their arsenal at stealing that technology to succeed in those areas. So, you know, in this case, GE was quick to cooperate, you know, FBI, um, you know, solved this case. And uh, so that uh, the GE's decade-long hard work and the billions of dollars investment was not undercut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what, what, what's your comment? Well, I, I was just, um, I met this uh, former uh, chief editor of the National Gra uh, Geog Geogra Geographics. All right, and she told me a story that she was approached also by some people from China through, you know, just social social media, and uh, which who offered I don't know remember how much maybe like mm -hmm. twenty thousand or fifty thousand dollars for just making a trip to China. Mm -hmm. She turned it down. So I asked her, so why? Why do you turn it down? And she said, it looks fishy. Too easy money, right? Just one trip, they pay me fifty thousand dollars. I think that's too fishy, fishy. So I didn't take it. So I, you know, for 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 a person like like her, you know, I really have admiration, right? Because mm -hmm. um, her sense of uh, you know the basically sense of morality, she had her sense of morality prevented her from even just going there, and if she went, ninety nine percent of the opportunity, not ninety nine percent, one hundred percent of chance that came from the CCP or the CCG, and uh, and in this case, this A, this engineer A, just fell into the trap. Yeah, and uh, she, you know, he actually went uh, a step further, lied to his company and to FBI because initially he said, "Oh, I didn't present anything mm. confidential to in my presentation." So, um, Ray said, uh, "Xu Yanjun is just a one Chinese intelligence officer working for an entire unit dedicated solely to steal aviation-related uh, technology secrets." Right. Mm. So. And uh, he said that's just uh, one of those ten, uh, you know, at least ten technology areas that uh, Chinese government has prioritized for stealing. So according to their investigation, he said that so many cases. When we tally up what we see in our investigations, over 2,000 of which are focused on the Chinese government trying to steal our information and technology, there is just no country that presents a broader threat to our ideas, our innovation, and our economic security than China. The Chinese government steals staggering volumes of information and causes deep 
job-destroying damage across a wide range of industries. So much so that, as you heard, we're constantly opening new cases to counter their intelligence operations, about every 12 hours or so. So every day, two cases right, related to Chinese espionage. So Christopher Wray gave another example that the Chinese Communist government unleashed, uh, he called a massive and sophisticated hacking program in the United States, which is bigger than those of any other major na nations combined. Oh. Yeah, and then, you see, they, co they have cooperation in almost every major city in China with uh, sufficient funding and uh, sophisticated tools and uh, often join forced with cyber criminals. He said in just one case, a group of uh, MSS-associated criminal cyber... MSS means uh, Ministry, the Ministry of, of uh, uh, Security, Security and uh, whatever, Security Service. Yeah, so it's basically it's a spy service, yeah. right? Yeah, they are KGB. Yeah, so a group, in just one case, he said that a group of MSS-related uh, um, cyber criminals, hackers, they stole uh, terabytes from hundreds of U.S. companies. Yeah. Y you know, you are uh, uh, ways uh, with a technical I, background, yeah. right? Terabytes, several terabytes, that's a lot of, lo lots, lots of uh, uh, information. So, um, and he said that the, in the CCP government also used intelligence officers in the meanwhile to target the same technology secrets. So they are just uh, using multiple uh, tools and fronts uh, to attack uh, their targets. And he said that the Chinese Communist government also make investments and make partnerships to position their proxies to valuable technology, to take the valuable <coughs> technology. And the CCP use money. Sometimes they also conceal the companies they control, or they would control the CCP cells. He called the CCP cells within the company. So uh, using uh, shell companies to disguise such effort from the United States uh, companies and from the Federal Foreign Investment Screening Program called the CIFIS. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know one case already, right? At least the, the, when they try to, uh, when CCP tried to buy a mega uh, radio station yeah. in Southern California. XX, right? uh, XXES. Yeah, they used a company, a shell company in New York. It's, it's a Chinese American company. Mm. It's an investment company, have no radio or media experience after no you know whatsoever so anyway so he said in within china chinese communist government forced u.s companies to partner with government owned companies the chinese companies then abuse and exploit such partnerships in that way to force technology transfer so Christopher Ray pointed out that the Chinese Communist government's uh, economic espionage isn't just about its uh, own companies can pull ahead using stolen technology, but it also harm, the harm also caused in the United States, our company and uh, our workers. The company failed, right? Job losses, lost, and uh, then, you know, it's also, it's across the country in a whole range of uh, industries. It affects just the whole, society, whole country. So besides that, 
he also pointed out that uh, this harm is not only to our economic prosperity, but also harming our freedom, freedom of speech, of conscience, and uh, the CCP even meddling our election. And he said one egregious example is a thing called the fox hunt. By now, many of our audience probably heard about that. It's, uh, it targets, captures, and uh, repatriates former Chinese citizens lived, oh, living overseas who it, you know, the CCP sees as a political or financial threat. So um, you know, this really undercuts the freedom that our constitution and the laws promise to these uh, citizens because they're, they're becoming uh, United States citizens. Yeah, they're basically coming in the United States and just um, it essentially abduct people, okay? And the so-called uh, code name fox hunt is essentially just um, dissident hunt, dissident hunt or the man hunt. That's what they've been doing all across the world, you know, all over the world they're doing this. Yeah, and how many people they have, you know, uh, captured and uh, hold them back. Uh, Ray, according to Ray, over the past eight years, the Chinese government had uh, brought uh, has uh, brought back more than nine thousand people worldwide back to China, so that they will be imprisoned or controlled. He said there are currently hundreds of people in the United States who are under Chinese Communist government's uh, official fox hunt list. And uh, a whole lot more are not on the official list. And uh, many times they are green card holders or naturalized citizens. And uh, the CCP sometimes hold these people's uh, relatives back in China hostage until the victims go back to China. Yeah. So yeah. The, typical, uh, the typical tactic would work like this. For example, they want to get away back to China. Okay. So they send someone to me and saying that uh, first, uh, if you go back, really nothing will happen to you. We'll treat you nice. There's no big deal. The second, if you don't, we're, we're going to hurt your family. We're going to hurt your family in China, hurt, hurt your father or your mother. So you think it over. So many of, of them actually, they, they have to or they chose to go back to China by themselves mm -hmm. because of this allure and the threat. Once they go back to China, of course, there's no harming thing. Well, just without, almost without any exception, turn out to be a lie. That's CCP's, you know, their behavior. Mm -hmm. So another aspect is uh, how the Chinese government is uh, willing and uh, is able to exert power here in the United States. So uh, Ray gave a few examples, including how it banned NBA broadcast in China for an entire year just because the um, uh, NBA, the, the Houston, right? Houston Rocket NBA um, executive tweeted in support of a Hong Kong democracy protest in 2019. So he said the Chinese government is getting more brazen controlling that kind of speech. And uh, uh, in November, just a couple months ago, the Chinese embassy put out letters effectively warning United States uh, businesses that if they want to do business in China, they need to fight against Chinese government-related bills in our Congress. So um, the CCP also tried to corrupt and uh, buy uh, our leaders, political leaders, including by influencing elected officials. 
they play the long game. The Chinese government understands that politicians in smaller roles today may rise to become more influential over time. So they look to cultivate talent early, often state and local officials, to ensure that politicians at all levels of government will be ready to take a call and advocate on behalf of Beijing's agenda. Okay, stop here. The Chinese... Okay, let's stop here. You know, remember, Eric, um, the, uh, the Ch uh, California uh, congressman, Eric Swalwell. Yeah. Okay, he was approached by this uh, uh, CCP spy, Fang Fang. Fang Fang, yeah. Yeah, early on when he was still a council member mm -hmm. in East Bay here. Yeah. Yeah, in the Bay Area. And uh, then he became a uh, congressman and even sitting in the uh, intelligence committee of the House, right? Yeah, so, they're very patient, as you can see. When, when this guy was, was also was just a council member, how many council members do we have? We've got 2,000 cities here. Okay, we've got literally more than 10,000 council members. They, they, you know, they could work at a very low level and wait for them to ascend. And then they're going to reap the harvest later on. Yeah, let's continue. All right. Government is not the first with authoritarian ambitions. As I mentioned when we started, President Reagan and his fellow Cold War presidents knew a thing or two about confronting tyranny. But China may be the first government to combine authoritarian ambitions with cutting-edge technical capability. It's like the surveillance nightmare of East Germany combined with the tech of Silicon Valley. Yeah, so that's the challenge we are facing right now. So how to fight against such challenge? Uh, Ray said that the FBI will um, uh, and the, is applying many of the lessons learned in the fight against terrorism to all aspects of countering the threat posed the Chinese Communist government. He also pointed out that uh, the uh, CCP understands the Western world's uh, free and open society and uh, tries to exploit it. But he pointed out that the Chinese government's worldview works as a blinder too. So although the sheer number of uh, the sheer volume of the criminal and the threatening actions from the Chinese government is immense, but Ray said that the good news is that the United States as well as partners and the allies these days are more alert to those dangers than ever. So he concluded with uh, President Ronald Reagan's words. All of us in America and across the free world are in this together. And as President Reagan said in his inaugural address, no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, it's need everybody together for this long and important fight now under the way. Mm. So, yeah, so that's, um, you know, again, about the uh, threat that uh, CCP is imposing 
to the United States, especially here in our homeland. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, let's pause a little bit, and I want to say thank you for Rob, uh, Rob Jeronimo, uh, uh, and thank you for your donation of uh, $20 to us. And uh, also early on, uh, James California, you donated $5, and you, you have this comment, where in the Kathy show can replace CNN? <laughs> thank thank you. you. That's our plan a few years down the road, with your support. All right, so the last piece of news actually is a little disheartening, right? It's discouraging, I would say. Right. And, uh, so what is it about? So, you know, we just talk about how, you know, no matter what, the FBI director, he really sees the great threat. You know, it's the biggest threat, right? Uh, from, it's from the Chinese Communist government. Now, uh, back to our house, the, the House China bill. So. Uh, what about it? So last June, the Senate passed a bar bipartisan legislation, uh, which is called the United States Innovation and the Competition Act. And then a few a few days ago, the Democrats controlled the House also authored a corresponding bill called the America Comp the America Competes Act, which also known as the China Bill. However, the Republican lawmakers now feel that uh, Democrats are promoting this bill now as a jobs legislation designed to ease inflation ahead of a possibly contentious uh, midterm election cycle. Why is that? The Senate bill was designed to promote technology, manufacturing, and the research policies that would enhance the United States' competitive power amid rising aggression from the CCP, as we already illustrated. So that bill included provisions to prevent American researchers from engaging in foreign talent recruitment programs, such as the China government's uh, thousands talent plan, right? Mm -hmm. And to establish a federal research security council to prevent the outward flow of research and the technology related to national security. So that's a two step. Um, then the House bill removed both of these uh, provisions and cut about $200 billion in initiatives to improve US technology and research. Instead, it included uh, several initiatives to promote things like uh, green energy, racial equity, and immigration. Among those initiatives is one provision to establish the position of chief diversity officer in the National Science Foundation. And uh, this office would, uh, would receive $5 million annually and uh, another would uh, rem remove cap on the number of green cards that would be given to doctoral students studying STEM fields at universities in the United States. So the Congressional Republicans blasted these changes for ignoring the threat posed by the CCP efforts to steal technology and the research. For example, um, House Rep Republicans from the Energy and the Commerce Committee released a statement saying that this legislation is actually can be called the America Concedes Act. The ranking committee member Kathy Rogers pointed to the parts of the House bill such as a $45 billion supply chain resiliency initiative 
as a slush fund for special interest and criticized the fact that the new bill does not prevent allotted funds from being used to purchase materials and parts from China. He said uh, the CCP tries to compete with the United States and the other free market economies by cheating, stealing, and using their centraled con uh, centrally controlled economy to pick winners and losers through massive government subsidies. But instead of embracing free market and American in innovation and uh, ingenuity, uh, ingenuity this legislation, he, she said, tries to copy China's own dangerous path of centralized industrial policy and the massive government handouts that benefit the ruling party's uh, political allies. So, and uh, there are some comments uh, from like, uh, you know, the think tanks. Director of uh, Asian Studies Center at the Heritage Foundation Walter Lohman, he wrote a report just to outline the difference between these two bills, the Senate House bills. Mm -hmm. So he concluded that the House bill in could actually undermine U.S. competitive advantage. He wrote, the House version has very little to do with the actual China policy. And he further said, despite a handful of useful foreign policies and security provisions, the acts, he said that, uh, he referred to the House Act, uh, its overwhelmingly impact would be to undermine America's ability to compete effectively with China. Yeah. So, so actually, um, since this is House bill, actually they're all facing re-election in the, in the November. Actually, each of us have something to do with it. We, we could just, you know, write a write an email and um, write an, pick a phone call to our congressional representative's office and telling, telling them about this. One thing I want to share with you, in, in China, okay, the, the CCP scholars or the CCP officials, they are very open about what they do when they are in, have in their inside, you know, inside circle. Pretty much they said, Americans, they let them do their innovation, we just 抄作业, okay, we just copy their homework. It's like a copy the homework. No matter how diligent or talented the Americans are, they only need to do the copy work. Because of the connection of the internet, right? They could hack into virtually every computer because they have the top, I would say, on that technology, they are the top. Top-notch hackers, hacking technology. They come in and steal things as we work diligently day in and day out, millions of dollars in investment into the innovation. They just come in and just, just take it away. So that's why essentially, essentially to prevent this kind of stealing, we need to cut the cord. Decouple, decouple with the CCP, and then have them lost their capability of uh, stealing the, our, our know-how. And then in the free world of America, the innovation is powerful, can never be surpassed by the mind control um, CCP, the, the China, where people do not have the free thinking. So then give it another one or two, couple of, uh, just a decade or two, and then America will reestablish its advantage. So it is very serious things, but unfortunately our congressional representatives, our houses, they, they just, they don't realize how, what kind of uh, threat that we're facing. They have to take it seriously.
Yeah, and sometimes they are over-occupied by, you know, those so-called social issues, yeah. right? Social some of them, problems. yeah, some of them, I think they did that intentionally, some of them unintentionally. But the result is the same, they weaken our national defense and our competition. Yeah, and another, another note, actually some uh, sunshine states, for example, Florida, right. they are starting to take uh, steps to effectively possibly be decoupling with China. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so it's another topic, but just want to mention that. Right, I want to say, uh, Jay, hey, thank you very much for your donation of $10. And wow, you, thank you. You wrote this, okay, do not stop. We support you. We patriots are under attack. Stay strong, we will bring down CCP from inside. That's actually, that's very well said. To be honest, in the Chinese program earlier today, I shared this observation. I said this observation is probably not uh, shared by many, how to say, pundits or scholars or experts in China, okay? In my view, CCP is near its end, okay? Because it has committed so much uh, crime and atrocity against the people, it's losing the heart of the people and the support of people uh, fast, especially in the recent uh, couple of years. Comparatively, in this country, most Americans, they are just too nice and too naive and being manipulated by both CCP and some of our ill-intentioned politicians. Okay, we need to wake up our, you know, our American people, our fellows here, um, so that they can really defend our country, which is the United States of America. Anyway, so we're here and uh, we'll carry on the work and with you being here, we feel very, very encouraged. Yeah, very, uh, yeah, yeah, very, very much encouraged by all of your support. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wanted to also respond to Ting Ting's comment. She said, uh, I, "We suppose to be a she, huh? It's a Ting Ting name uh, in Chinese." So, uh, talked about uh, need to look into the Confucius Institute. Institute. So, actually, starting two thousand twenty. Uh, the Chinese government changed the name of Confucius Institute to, uh, let's say, call it, it's called the Center for Language Education and uh, Cooperation. So make a note of it. Yeah. You may not see Confucius Institute so much anymore, but uh, remember this name, Center for Language Education and Cooperation. So they abandoned Confucius now because their tactics has been exposed. Exposed, yeah. yes. Which is good, right? There are decades of uh, effort in building that the brand now become a negative asset. Now they are building this center for uh, whatever edu language education and uh, and what cooperation. Mm -hmm. we, we we you know we we're gonna keep tracing them and expose them where where wherever they go. Okay, so what we'll do our our job as a journalist? All right, uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, do, sorry, I just wanted Please. to, yeah. Another um, comments on safe chat from John. There might be 2,000 council members, but they probably look for the ones that they can groom and uh, fix elections to get them the office where they can do China's bidding. Very well said. Actually, you know, we have the information about how they groom, groom and identify those um, position, you know, elected offices, which the they just uh, make some, you know, some pulling the string. They can make them get elected by the Chinese American voters, the so-called Chinese American voters, because unfortunately, some of them are still being willingly or unwillingly. Uh, 
manipulated by the government. So they, you know, they just uh, uh, exploit the openness, our, the openness of our system to get those people elected so that they can, just like you said, do the uh, CCP's bidding. Okay. So exactly, we really have to pay attention in our community, in our election, you know, everybody just has have to be alert and uh, get involved. Uh, Kathy, can you share the document, the comparison that the Congress people did about the this difference between the Senate bill and the House bill? The difference, right? Okay. Do you have the link for that. For that. Oh, the oh the okay the report yeah. from by it. the low. Yes. Yeah, let's post it, post it in the community and mm -hmm. also in the description of this program so that, you know, for, for, for you, you can send that to your congressional representative and uh, in the email or call them and uh, just remember, you know, just support the Senate bill, support the Senate version of the bill, which is very important. All right, I think it's over one, one hour. Yes, exactly one hour now. Okay, so, thank yeah, you for thank staying you. with us. And, uh, okay, stay strong and stay hopeful. All right, take care. Good night. Good night. Until Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.